0: Hello, and welcome to Square in a Circle. On this episode, we're going to discuss force management mentorship and development, and I'm joined with Lieutenant Colonel John Hartridge, who currently is in a key nominate position serving as the Chief of Force Structure for the United States Army Central at Shaw Air Force Base. He has numerous years of experience as a force manager in previous F.A. 50 assignments to Fort Liberty and Fort Leavenworth. This episode is part of a series on this topic with several senior F.A. 50s across the community. This episode is only the first half of my discussion with Lieutenant Colonel Hartridge. The second half will be published later. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this program are of my own and of my guests. They do not reflect the positions of the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, the U.S. Army, and any other organization. This content is for education and information purposes only.
1: All right, sir. Well, hey, thanks for uh, joining me on this uh, on this episode of of Square in the Circle. I know. Uh, you're 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 familiar with with the podcast, and I really appreciate your your time and your help and in, in talking about this subject, which we're going to dive into, which is mentorship and, and development for our force managers, our, our FA fifties, um, you know, the juniors, um, folks that are like myself, um, that are you know in their first assignment, um, about to go and go to another assignment, or they're in the pipeline to go to school and be you know actually trained to be a force manager or for the ones that are, um, you know, on the fence about, about V tipping. So I, you know, I really, I really appreciate it on, on this, on this answer to, to talk about, you know, this, this, this subject, um, you know, to get into, you know, mentorship and, and development. And I think for our functional area, you know, we have a pretty good mentorship program. And like me personally, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's it's good it's you know it's very it's very well organized and and developed um and i think it's imperative that everyone has a mentor but i also think it's imperative that we have different perspectives on this and so this wasn't you know my idea to to build this series this was from uh fellow peers um you know fellow um you know interested um, force managers, potential force managers that wanted to get different perspectives on the life of, you know, an F- FA50 um, to get some like career development, personal development type, um, you know, feedback. You know, it's good to get it from a mentor, but it's also great to get it from, you know, different perspectives. So this series, we're going to talk to uh, senior, senior 50s um, and, and, you know, get those, get those different perspectives. So, uh, before I dive into the questions, sir, uh, you know, I will open it up for any any comments on your end.
2: No, Matt, I really appreciate you inviting me onto the show. Um, I've listened to all the episodes thus far. I'm really just taken back by all the effort you put into this. And, um, you know, knowing what you've got kind of on the horizon already, I think this has been great. and um, I'm just looking forward to this
1: opportunity. All right, sir. Well, no, again, you know, I really appreciate it. And so I'll just dive right in. So I think, you know, question number one is, you know, why even become an F.A. 50? And this is kind of loaded. I want to know, sir, why you became an F.A. 50.
2: So I became an F.A. 50 um, because I wanted to change the army. Uh, I was working at Army Sustainment Command um, about uh, 13 years ago now, and I was uh, working on the lead material integrator initiative with uh, FDJ at Army G8. And we were working on the policy for how we would do some of the strategic equipping um, following the CSA's guidance of getting you know some of the execution out of the Pentagon. Um, and in working on this policy, uh, lots of trips up to DA, and um, in talking with uh some of the fa 50s that were working there uh, they kind of told me hey you know the policy that we're writing right now is going to touch the whole army um, and we had talked about my career aspirations and you know he kind of said blankly as a brigade commander you are going to directly influence four thousand soldiers uh, which is a absolute you know great opportunity uh, but what you're doing today as a senior captain you're going to touch the entire million soldier force. Uh, if that interests you, you should look at coming over. And that was the hook that had me pretty instantly: the ability to make holistic change to the force. Um, and that's why I, you know, came over. It was an absolutely unique opportunity to do something very different that has really wide and deep ranging impacts and influence to how we build, man, equip, train, sustain and deploy the force.
1: Yeah, yes, sir. I think, you know, from from for myself, you know, the reason why I became, you know, force manager, um, you know, coming out of the career course and then PCS into Fort Bliss, my first assignment in the sustainment brigade. They uh, they tapped me to be the uh, force integration officer, you know, as an as an additional duty. And It was like day one, and uh, I didn't I didn't know what that know what that meant. And the only guidance I got was, hey, go up to uh, division and link in with uh, th- that force manager. And so I, I did, and I got you know some guidance um, on on what that what that entailed. Um, immediately you know i started you know to really enjoy what that additional duty you know required um you know talking to to pms um talking to sso's you know fielding new equipment and modern you know helping to modernize you know the units in the in the sustainment brigade you know i really enjoyed it and i just kept it in the back of my mind as you know once i'm done with command maybe that's something that would be of interest to me and you know after being an instructor i was like you know. I, you know, I I think it's time to do something, do something different that, you know, really, really interests me. And, you know, that's, you know, and here I am and no regrets doing it. No, you know,
2: I haven't had a single regret making the transition, um, you know, and like the 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 true mission that we've really got to kind of undertake is F.A. 50s have to understand complexity, Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm reading a book on chaos right now and. You know, we're really at the forefront of understanding um, a nonlinear system and all of the dynamics that go into that. And so um, really understanding the sum and the integration of so many disparate parts, uh, it, it takes a, it's a huge intellectual undertaking and I find it absolutely rewarding. It is not an easy job. And I think that's, and it's dynamic. So you can do different things every single day, working towards the same end as improving the force. And so I, I love it. Absolutely love it. And if it's something that's, you know, interesting to this audience, you take the plunge and you, you never have to worry about being bored a day in your
1: life. No, absolutely. Sir, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like you're not bored at all it's very challenging. It's, it's complex. Every day is different. So there's, you know, there's no redundancy. There's always new challenges. There's always new problems to solve. And so, and that's why I think I fall, you know, more and more, you know, into being a force manager and and love it. So, sir, uh, moving on to the, for the next question. So you, you, you jumped into force management, you got, you got trained, you became an FA 50. Tell me about your your first assignment. What was that like and and what were some of the challenges? What did you learn from that first assignment, sir?
2: So my first assignment was at the uh, Concepts and Requirements Directorate at the Mission Command seated at Fort Leavenworth. Um, it was and I was assigned as the theater army proponent. Um, you know, and here, a couple of years later, I'm in one of the theater armies that, you know, I kind of helped build. So um, what was what was really interesting to me and uh, in this first assignment was really how we link concepts to requirements to capabilities and understanding uh, capability gaps that are gonna drive um, how, how we build structure, how we tailor capabilities in material and chase all of the solutions across the entire spectrum to um, really deliver the, you know, the structure for units to go uh, fight and win. And so the the first challenge is really a challenge I think we continue, you know, the army continues to, to struggle with is what's the problem we're trying to solve, right? And that's where the, the C did working there was really the first real shot that I got of understanding the problem is 90% of the battle. And so um, when we started looking at um, reducing division core, uh, theater army structure as part of sequestration. It was the problem wasn't, we couldn't do something in an operational capability. It was the resourcing shortfalls drove us to make very hard decisions about what capabilities we could keep and where we had to assume risk. So it was understanding that problem simultaneously. We started um, having to to kind of deal with what would the future fight kind of look like because this is pre, uh, Lisco study, and so as we're in the middle of this, um, the CSA at the time, General Milley, wanted divisions and cores to be very small, very mobile, um, very lethal. So as as small as we can make it, um, you know the. One of my uh, civilians that I, I worked for, uh, he used to call um, the CSA 350 milli because he there was some guidance that said he wanted the division headquarters to be 350 soldiers, right? And it was something just completely that that mark on the wall of saying let's make it really small and make it really lean and able to fight. And so that was how we started, you know, trying to attack this. Um, and it's a you know understanding the problem that we've really kind of get you know get after, um, and we kind of did that through a lot of things. I had a lot of unique opportunities to look at what the division was supposed to do, look at what the theater army was supposed to do, and then you know some of the other uh, the other challenges that come being a you know a brand new fifty. Some of the unique projects like understanding. Um, Tactical power and how we needed to do that—that was just something I never thought about before. But getting to participate in some of the tactical power studies and and how we're trying to leverage those new technologies—it was really interesting, you know, at the time in uh, in 2015. So the the challenges, you know, you you know, that I find kind of looking back is we didn't really understand some of the army decision cycles, right? Like you come up with this great idea and you don't know, you know, at the time we didn't have the ASM. And so you didn't have that like consistent weekly venue to go and interject something to the, the, you know, three-star community. Um, and so that was one of those things I, you know, like, we just didn't know how to get some of these things, you get it to general to the cat commander. Right. But then. How do you keep these good ideas from dying on the vine? That's something you know we didn't really understand. Um, I think one of the the biggest takeaways I found was how do I leverage the other fifty net, like the fifty network, to solve problems, to find out what everyone else is doing, and really communicate to the organizations, right? Because I I could talk to some of the theater armies at certain echelons, but to really hit that network across the, you know, the divisions, the cores, the other centers of excellence. Hey, what are you guys doing? What are you thinking? How are you doing this? Um, Leveraging that network was absolutely critical. And so um, I think that's one of the great benefits of being a very small functional area is you can send an email, a chat to any 50 out there, And they're going to come back and say, Hey, here's what I'm doing. Or, Hey, I don't know, but here's who does. And it's, you're, there's, you're never without, um, the phone, a friend. And it's a immense resource that I've continued to use. And it was one of the lessons you learned pretty quick.
1: Yeah. Yes, sir. Just to touch base on one of the, one of the. Uh, points you made, you know, on the, on the network, I th- I think, uh, you know, that's one of the things I really enjoy about our, about our community is just the, the cohesion and the ability to, to, to network with everyone. And, you know, if you need to phone a friend, you know, there's, there's no problem that, you know, you can't, you can't solve, you know, it, and if you, you know, if you're struggling with that problem, you can always phone a friend and, you, you know, there's some other 50 that's, that's kind of been there, done that, right. Um, or, you know, has some idea to shed some light on, on how to get there to, you know, to help solve that problem. Um, so the next question, sir, and this could be, you know, your time at Leavenworth or maybe your one-of-one your one assignment um, or, or, you know, you're in KNB, your your CSL right now, sir. But what has been like your greatest achievement as a force manager?
2: So I think it's, there are great achievements that you kind of, you have over time. Right, um, because the nature of change and how long change can actually take, um, the things you did at the previous job start to manifest, and so um, I think in in some of my my biggest achievements, um, one of them I think is just in my one of time providing vision to my CG, um, and so. Uh, At the ESC, um, as the as the one of I was the force mod officer, but I also served as the G5. So um, kind of unique in um, in the experience that it was understanding the O plan requirements. Right. What we were going to do if, uh, you know, if it's a bench clearing event. Right. What are we going to do? And if crisis happened, what are we going to do? on top of hey here's all of the other you know the community from my force from all of the fo- other force managers and all the information we're kind of getting so it's a, it was a really unique aperture to provide the cg a vision two years in time right and this is uh pre-rearm uh so to really be able to kind of consume gfm demand to consume um, training requirements uh it was it was really a, you know, I take a lot of pride in, in kind of building that product that he was like, I can see where we're going and then work towards end states afterwards, right? Like that was, that's been very personally rewarding for me. Um, some of the other like really cool things, uh, you know, some of the FDUs that we started, you know, three, four years ago now, are finally about to hit in TAA, right? As approved designs. And so knowing that like as a 50, you can have a good idea or the hard work that you put into something that might not get over the hump while you're in the seat. If it's, you know, it's it's not about being right, it's about getting it right. And so you do all the hard work up front, you get it right. And even though you can't see it to, to conclusion, something, the 50 behind you is gonna carry the water, right? If you've done all the hard work to get it right up front and, you, and sometimes you can't, right? But it's though all that hard work will continue to churn and then seeing the fruits of your your efforts after you're gone, right? That's always super rewarding as well.
1: Yes, sir. So, you know, as a, as a force manager, you know, we're, Involved in, you know, have an understanding of a lot of, a lot of systems, a lot of processes, a lot of, you know, complexity. But you know, we're, you know, we're rated, we're senior rated by, you know, former maneuver commanders, you know, that you know understand, you know, war fighting. You know, we're briefing, you know, you know former maneuver commanders, you know, geos, right? The combat arms. They understand war fighting. Understand how the army, how the army fights. But how do you articulate? you know, force management to make it like make sense to the language that they already that they understand?
2: Well, so, you know, it's all about framing it and contextualizing it to our senior leaders, right? And I, the the first time you really get that opportunity, you know, you you get to, to, to play in it in your first assignment in a pool job, where you know, you're watching a, a KNB or some of the other senior fifties that you're working with, talk to senior leaders. Right. But you, that real opportunity comes, you know, uh, in your second assignment, whether a one of, or at a different location where the burden is on you to communicate how this process translates to your organization. Right. And so contextualizing it and framing it so that it's relevant to the commander and so you know there's a lot of you know our general officers are extremely intelligent right and so th- to to translate i think it's not translating it because they understand it's an army process they might not have exposure to it but that doesn't mean that they don't they don't understand it right but it's how does how does what we're doing impact the organization today how does it impact the organization over time right and where are those decision points for our senior leaders in time right and that's that is really what senior leaders want to know is where's my decision space and when do i need to make a decision on what and so if we frame it in that way right like that might you know like we said that might be talking to you know a a previous logistician who's a general officer a you know an infantry combat arms general officer They want to know what decision do i have to make when do i have to make it and what is the information available and if you can frame it how it matters to the organization in time and space and then how it benefits the army then they will understand right i i have not had an experience personally where framing it like that we haven't gotten a decision or at least it was the understanding I, I understand what you're asking. I just need time to, to stew on it, right? Um, some of the other experiences I've seen is, you know, if you don't put it in that frame, uh, one of the general officers I've seen brief multiple times was you got to take it big to small, right? You can't say I need decision on A, right? Because that is reductionism to sort of make this decision on this point at this time. Right. And they're too smart to realize they they know there are second and third order effects in the analysis that you've put into it. They don't necessarily care what, you know, like all of the hard work. So it's not, hey, sir, I did all this hard work to come to this recommendation. No, it's here's, you know, here's all of the widgets. Here's the widgets that matter to us. And the decision that we're making is on widget A. And here's what widget A will do and why it matters. And that is that frame gets you to go almost all the time. So it's it's framing and contextualizing it to the organization you're in at the time.
1: Yes, sir. And so in, in our field of force management, even, even in our organization or in our office, there's a lot of civilians that are, you know, CP26s that are, you know, management analysts, right? They're you know, they're for they're force managers. They support the the force management function. Um, you know, like half of our office right is is civilians. All, you know, great, phenomenal, awesome, awesome people. You know, from from your perspective, sir, like, you know, why do we have so many civilians? Like what do they what do they what do they bring bring to force management, sir? They bring everything.
2: You know, like it's institutional muscle memory is what our civilian workforce brings to us right like we couldn't do it without them because with the rotational nature of all of our positions it would be recreating and relearning the wheel every single time and what you realize is that all of these civilians that are doing that are in these critical positions at every post camp and station they they've seen multiple commanders make multiple similar or like type decisions over time. They, you know, I mean, you've said it time is a flat circle, right? And so they have seen the same capabilities come around, fall out of favor, come back into come back into Vogue, fall out of favor, and continue that process. You know, they have, you know, what we are trying to be is that wealth of information that they possess. And so when you see these civilians that, you know, you, you ask them, hey, what happened three years ago? They'll be like, oh, I've got it. Here, here's that form here's that that previous decision. You know, um, you ask some of the civilians in our office, hey, this policy letter from 2015, it's like, here's the digits, right? Like you, they just know, right? And so they bring all of that. They also bring, you know, 99% of them bring time and service, right? Time in the uniform that when you think about some of these junior fifties, you know, again, who are coming up, they were, you know, captains and majors trying to grind you know, previously in an army that we're trying to rebuild. That looks like something they served in. Right. And so you take a a major that served in the uh coin force that has to try and figure out what the army of excellence used to look like you know some of our senior civilians retired out of the army of excellence you know like they just know like yeah this is what you're looking for why well because i served in it you know they have that you know they know and so that's what they bring is you know They know what's happened. They've also got a whole lot of good ideas, right? Like, uh, and they are that continuity so that when you show up, you don't have to relearn everything. So, I mean, we couldn't do it without them.
1: No, yeah, absolutely, sir. Um, I think, you know, and there's there's been plenty of conversations that you and I have had where we've, you know, pitched them some ideas, you know, some concepts, you know, to whether it's, you know, outside our, our, our division to, you know, other civilians and, you know, different divisions or, or within, and we are always coming back with learning something, something new, like mind, mind blown, you know, uh, you know, learning, learning something new. And it's like imperative as a, as a force manager to continue to, to, to grow and grow and learn. And, and, you know, you know, I love pitching, you know, new ideas and, and getting the different perspectives, right. You know, like not just settling in and, inside of you know what is you know this idea within structure right let's kind of see what you know readiness may say or what's you know generation may say or even go down and be like hey you know here's an idea i got but what's you know what's g8 think about this or g1 Um, a question that you know continuously always you know comes up and it's even a you know question that i had when i was you know making the jump into force management from my previous branch. You know, I'm a I'm a brand new VTIP, I'm a brand new force manager. What should wh- where should I go for my first assignment?
2: So it's the, the question isn't where should I go? Right. It's what who do I kind of work for, right? What environment should I be in? Right. And the short answer is a pool, right? You need to go and be in a pool of other fifties, or on an installation that's got lots of fifties um, that you can both get exposure to, sponge from, and then uh, wherever there's a lot of fifty, there's, there's we're always going to have one of our K officers, right? And so those are really the, the the things you need to look for. So those are always going to be at our Army Service Component Commands. Um, the you know most of our most of the acoms right um operationally at the core headquarters right you've got knbs there um and then at, at da you've got some bs but then you've got a whole host of post bs that just left that hard assignment that you know have been mentoring you know brand new fa50s so it's also a great place to kind of be you know the one thing that branch absolutely tries to do is not put you in a one of one, right? That should not be your first assignment, right? Unfortunately, you know, as you look at how the Army and our branch has kind of flowed, right? Some people had to, Um, it's unfortunate. It's not supposed to happen, right? Like, but I think if you go back to the network, right? Like you could still walk into a one of one in your first assignment and be successful if you know how to leverage the network and you don't sit, like if you sit in silence and suffer in silence, right. With the FA 50 network that we've developed, right. You've got no one to blame, but yourself, but to the question, go work for a K and B. Right. Whether it's a, you know, an 06 can be, 0 five can if you're with one of them or a post knb right. You're going to be set up for success. That's where. It's that type of headquarters that you go to, right? The location can be really at this stage. Don't It doesn't matter where, right? You want to go to Germany. You want to go to Hawaii. You want to go to Fort Liberty. You want to go to Fort Gordon. You want to come to Shaw Air Force Base, right? There are KNBs at all of them, right? Great places to be, right? You, you want to go work in the Pentagon? There are post-KNBs that would, you know, in some K and B's today that would love to have you working for them. Right. Like there's, there's not a whole lot you can do wrong in your first assignment.
1: Okay. Yes, sir. Um, Fast forward a little bit. I mean, actually, you know, this question applies applies for myself. You know, you're on your, you know, completing your first assignment as as a force manager what should be my my follow-on assignment? What should I be What should I be doing next? Because it seems like there's two schools of thought here. It should be, hey, you need to go to the Pentagon if you haven't been at the building. You should go. You should go up to the Pentagon, um, and really get deep into the beginning stages of of that of that process. Um, or, you know, the other school of thought is, hey, you need to go and take off one hundred one. Go, you know, go to a division. Go to an you know an ESC, um, and be at that tactical level. I just wonder what your thoughts are on that, sir. So, I will say,
2: right, like, and and this is the typical force management answer, right? It depends, um, time and space, really, and where you are in your career. If you come into the branch as a uh, senior captain, like I did, and um, you know, in your first assignment, you do the Q course, you do ILE, and you're a brand new major without your master's degree it's a perfect time to go do that. Right. Um, and that's what happened to me is the, my, the branch manager at the time said, listen, your two years are up, go to ACS. Now you've got plenty of time to get a whole bunch of evaluations before your next board. Um, it's, you're gonna, you don't need your masters, but it's highly encouraged. Right? So it's one of those, that's a perfect opportunity. Um, what I try and prepare all of my 50s for is that next assignment, which it, which I think, if it works, should be a one-off, right? It is where you kind of get that um, foundational experience to drive process for a uh, division or ESC or TSC commander, right? That's not to say that the Pentagon is not important because the Pentagon is the ultimate seat of FA50 power right? Because the processes are controlled there. And so you do need to have a healthy balance of time in the Pentagon and time in the operational force, right? But is my, my responsibility, I think, is to prepare you to be in the operational force. If that's where you go, right? That's great. I highly encourage it. I highly recommend it, right? Because it, it is like the last time you get to be with soldiers, right? And, and seeing, so delivering capabilities to soldiers, right? Like that's an awesome experience, right? Because you're, you're giving warfighters something that's going to make them more lethal, right? And there's a connection there that you can like, again, when you think about accomplishments, you're actually delivering something. And so I find that again, very rewarding. And it's one of those re-energizing things as, a perpetual staff officer now to be at that lower echelon um, second assignment third assignment right like does it matter which one you do if it's Pentagon one of one one of one then the Pentagon I think you need to do you need to do both right all of our careers do eventually like the terminus is in the Pentagon right um, but I would say me you need to go to a one off. I know that's, you know, and, and so that's me.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, you, you mentioned your your time in ACS, um, going to grad school, I was just wondering, sir, you know, did that benefit you? You know, as a, as a force manager? Did it you know, did you did it add value? Um, you know, for your next assignment? As a force Oh, 100%. Manager?
2: Um, anytime you have the opportunity to increase the tools in your toolbox right um whether it be any of the broadening programs that we all that the branch offers um you know you get into it you get out of it what you put into it right and so i went full send in grad school absolutely loved it um i you know and i got a master's of public administration so it's it fit in it's one of the ones that you know our branch really encourages and so I found there's a lot of parallels and a lot of the, the way to think about things is what I brought back, right? And so it was an absolutely great experience. Um, and I, if you don't have your master's, it's a great way to get it. Um, again, if where it fits in your timeline, right? If you don't, if you've, if you're kind of late in your career coming over, right? And you don't have your master's, it might be something that you you shouldn't take the opportunity only because you don't want to put yourself at risk. Uh, so you've got to factor that in. But uh, if you don't have your master's and you have the time before your next board to get some assignments and be still be, you know, if you're competitive beforehand and you have time that you're not stressing on the backside, highly recommend it. It's, it's one of those things where i think our branch is always looking to offer people to go and so it's a great opportunity um you know i would i would also add while i was in grad school there were four there were three other officers that i that i was in grad school with and two of them became 50s coming out of it so um i think it's it's one of those you can you meet people that are like hey this is it it matches and they realize that and made the transition while in grad
0: school. All right, thanks for listening. Stay tuned for future episodes, specifically part two of my conversation with Lieutenant Colonel Hartridge, additional episodes on FM mentorship and development, another dive into PPBE and the budget, and a historical visit to the 1973 Yom Kippur War.